Welcome to Risk Never Sleeps, where we meet and get to know the people delivering patient care and protecting patient safety. I'm your host, Ed Gaudet. Welcome to the Risk Never Sleeps podcast, in which we discuss the people that are protecting patient care. I'm Ed Gaudet, the host of our program, and today we're going to take a, a different approach. We're going to talk to a technology writer, author, futurist, among other things. I am pleased to be joined today by Robert Scoble. Robert, Hello. welcome. Welcome to the program. Honored to be here. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. Followed your work and, and read some of your work. Obviously, my brother is a much bigger fan, but I've got a lot of questions to ask you about what's been happening as of late as it relates to VR and other technologies. But before we do that, let's a little bit about you. How did you get into tech? Oh, man. I was Apple's first child laborer. <laughs> True story. My mom uh, built Apple II motherboards for Hilde Licht, who built them for Apple. Yeah. And so we built uh, Apple II motherboards when I was 13 years old in 1978. And cool. that literally did get me my start because a decade later, I was going to community college and I saw a car with the name of Waz. I knew Waz built the motherboards I was staring at. Yeah. And so I wanted to meet him in the worst way. And so I stalked him and met him up, met up with him. And he was my first celebrity interview in the tech industry. You know? so plus when was did, that? What year was that? That's great. 1989. 89. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, when I was going to school. <laughs> and so, yeah, he, he gave us like $40,000 worth of Macintoshes for our journalism department and got me huh. started. I still have his phone number memorized. <laughs> he, uh, do not share he, it with our listeners, please. <laughs> he likes simple numbers, right? He actually <laughs> said he, he had 222-222-2222, something like that. And he said that's a useless number to have because all sorts of babies would pick up their parents' cell phone and, and start hitting. <laughs> so he had to put an eight on the end of it or something like that. Really interesting. Oh, that's great. And, and you're based out in California. You live still? Yeah, live Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that led up into a, a whole career where I've interviewed thousands of entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and worked at Microsoft as a strategist and worked at Fast Company Magazine doing video show and doing editing and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. All yeah, sorts of well, stuff. Worked well, at cool. Rackspace for seven years. Oh, Rackspace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now D&D &D player? Atari 2600 player? No, I was an Apple II guy. You're an Apple II. From the very oh, start. I grew up in Cupertino, California. I had to be Apple II. Yeah. <laughs> no Atari for you. Oh, Steve Jobs. Atari lives there too. Yeah, Steve, his first job, Steve Jobs at Atari. Yes. Yeah, and I've um, talked to the guy who started Atari too. So yeah, oh, all cool. sorts of fun stuff. Cool, cool. All yeah, right, but so that got uh, me to see the world. And I think where you're going with patient safety is I've done all sorts of stuff and talked to a lot of hospital administrators because of my career and my books, mostly on spatial computing, which is augmented reality and AI. And that still hasn't really happened yet for consumers. Apple just announced its first one, That's which right. comes out next year. So we'll see how that does. That will do well, I'm sure. Um, uh, it'll so do well, but they can't make enough. So really, that first product is to get everybody excited. They're going to take like half the stores and use those for demo pods and get everybody excited about augmented reality so that when you uh, see a product that Apple comes out with that you really want, like glasses, mm -hmm. you're ready for it. So they're so disciplined and take such a long approach to things that other companies just can't. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, now, are you a screen guy? Screen or no screen on the VR? That's it. Screen. Screen. You don't want a screen? <laughs> no, I just, I, there's some, was it Argo Design that the no screen? 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think screens are real important uh, to be able to see the vi- virtuality. There's mm-hmm. glasses that don't have screens like uh, Meta Ray-Ban have a yeah. partnership and the Ray-Bans only have a camera. They don't have a screen to avoid some of the freaky factor kind of things, but also to avoid just wearing out the battery because mm-hmm. the small little batteries that go into glasses just... Not quite there yet. Yeah. Apple will figure out that the, the motion sickness issues um, associated with, with VR. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's let's dive into your futuristic brain here for seconds. 2024, what does the world look like from a technology perspective? Are we Blade Runner or Damnation Alley? <laughs> I was thinking more like the movie Her. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Where you have an AirPod yeah. in your ear and you can talk to the AI and the AI can talk back to you. We're already getting there. I'm yeah. using an AI called Pi, which Reed Hoffman started. Mm-hmm. And that has a relationship. You can talk to it and it can talk to you about your life. That's interesting. It's a little bit too enthusiastic in its answers, right? Doesn't quite get to human level, mm-hmm. but it's getting pretty close. So you can just see in a over the next year or two that these things are going to get better and better and to the place where people are going to talk to them a lot. Yeah. 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 And what are the, have you thought through implications on, in in terms of healthcare delivery and in terms of. Yeah. Yeah. A few things you could come at it a bunch of different ways. I worked with a company called MetaView, which came out of Cleveland clinic Mm -hmm. and they use HoloLens and built a special software for surgeons. Right. So they're uh, trying to make surgery safer for your patients because it'll show them where on the human body, they can turn on their cutting tools and they're overlaying the scans on top of your body using a whole bunch of AI. It's pretty cool stuff. That's one way to look at it. I've also done a psychiatrist therapy session, just a 30 minute therapy session. And she was using a system that listens to both of us and sends, it strips out all the personal identifiable information and then sends that transcript over to chat GPT and along with six or seven uh, specialized prompts that a doctor wrote. And it spits back notes on your session. Like really scientific detailed notes on Hmm. what it picked up. Like on my session, we talked about sexual abuse because I was sexually abused when I was a child and talked about all sorts of issues I was dealing with in life. And it said, oh, you it looks like you have PTSD. It's almost starting to recommend treatments just from a 30 minute conversation. Incredible. So it is absolutely incredible. So we start thinking about, oh, this is a new world where we're going to have AIs listening to us all the time. Seeing, hearing things that figuring out who we are, that can be used for good and it can also be used for bad. Mm-hmm. And we have a whole bunch of arguing to do with HIPAA and all sorts of stuff to make sure that patients in this new world remain safe and that they feel uh, safe to go to therapy or doctors in the future because they're going to be listened to by these AIs to to do some really interesting things. Yeah, it really requires a new way of thinking about control of data from an opt-in, opt-out perspective. And the notion of HIPAA, is HIPAA relevant 10 years? It absolutely is, but it's going to be very different because Mm -hmm. the kinds of data that the HIPAA people were worried about 15 years ago when they were working on the original rules 
they didn't know that there was an AI coming along yeah, that's right. you <laughs> or read all your medical records or look at your scans from your MRIs or your CAT scans. And by the way, I had a full body MRI done at Pranuvo, which is a new startup, mm-hmm. cost 2500 bucks. And then the doctor walked through my brain looking for brain cancers or tumors, walk through my heart, looking for different problems, walk through all the, my organs, looking for different problems, and then look through my legs and my toes, making sure that nothing was bad down there. The doctor who, the entrepreneur and doctor who set this up said, I'm training an AI to do this automatically. So you just go in and get a scan and it'll tell you, oh, you have, looks like you have a hernia, you know? Or it looks like you have a, a cancer tumor. So you better go get that looked at more deeply. This would have saved my friend's life. I had a friend, his name was Brandon Wirtz, and he had colon cancer when he was 40 years old, 39 mm-hmm. years old, mm-hmm. and the doctors missed it. And mm-hmm. because he was too young for colon cancer, most people with colon cancer get it in after they're 60, mm-hmm. which is why they ask you when you're 50 or 55 to start getting colon mm-hmm getting a camera put up here, right? To figure out, do you Mm -hmm. have cancers up there? If he had a MRI, he would have been, the cancers would have been caught and maybe would have been treatable. Colon cancer is very treatable if you catch it early enough. If it spreads because you missed it, that's hard to survive. Yeah, yeah. Wow, a lot to unpack there. Yeah. No pun intended. (laughs) Technology is changing medicine, isn't it? It it is. Imagine 2040, like it's uh, getting an MRI is like going into a photo booth, the equivalent of going into a photo booth at Walmart or maybe uh, in some mall. And you're going to have a variety of devices on you. We're wearing Apple watches and Fitbits and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I have an aura ring on that watches certain vital signs, but those sensors are getting more and more detailed. I think in the next year or two, Apple's going to have one that does blood pressure. So now Mm -hmm. they can warn you, hey, it looks like your blood pressure's up today. You better take some medicine or change your lifestyle. Go see a doctor. What's Um, the aura ring? I don't, what does that um, mean? For you. Uh, I have it in the other room. Oh. It's a ring with a bunch of sensors. It's mm-hmm. like an Apple watch. It watches mm-hmm. me no. sleep, and watches me exercise, and mm-hmm. gives me. Does it do oxygen saturation or? Yeah, it does the same shit that the mm-hmm. oh, sorry, so, same stuff that the Apple Watch does. <laughs> That's okay. We do yeah. have limit limited it's profanity a, on this show. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be safe for your audience, sir. That, uh, that's right. No, it has a bunch of it's just like yeah. an Apple Watch. Okay. It, it does basically the same kinds of things an Apple Watch mm-hmm. does, yeah, but never, it's, it's much smaller. So got it. it's you know, nicer to carry around. Yeah. Never heard of it. Which brings up this question: what's the best technology you've seen that never made it to market? Oh man. <laughs> you probably have seen a lot. <laughs> Anything come to mind? No, that's an interesting question because eventually things come back. The problem is that there's a lot of things that were too early, right? Yeah. Um, Google Glass is a good example of that, right? It really didn't do anything, but everybody thought it did a lot of things, right? Like yeah. it would record you for... 24 hours and know everything about it. No, it, it could record for 45 minutes yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. it didn't do as good as a GoPro camera on a ski helmet or something. That kind of, there's lots of examples of that where it was just too early. The, the technology just wasn't quite there or it was the first one into the market and they made a lot of mistakes because they're pioneers and trying to get something out. And then somebody like a company like Apple sits back and waits for them to just go away or 
waits for them to show all the mistakes and then comes in with a product that re- repositions everybody that existed before is lame. But Vision Pro, the new uh, mm-hmm. spatial computer they just announced, is a good example of that. They had seven years to watch Meta with its Quest make mistakes, like put Meta put crappy headphones in there so you can't really listen to music in it, at least not the way you're going to listen to music if you have one of these Apple headsets. And they made a lot of other mistakes that they Apple fixed. The screens, the chips in front of your eyes that Apple waited until Sony could put 5K chips in front of your eyes. The Quest only has 2K screens. So the Quest, you can't read text very well. Mm -hmm. So you can't use it for email or Facebooking or tweet deck, all the kinds of stuff that most people do at work. And so, right. So they can come in Mm. late and just, come out with a really nice product and that's apple's modest operandi <laughs> no it's a, it's an interesting problem to solve because in some ways i can imagine one of the problems is how do we keep it on longer like how do we keep, make sure that it stays on longer it's not just single threaded but it right. can be used for other things yeah it's still a problem with the apple headset this is a uh, 280 grams it's still too heavy after about an hour, you you start noticing it a lot, right? It's how this is starting to become uncomfortable on your face. Right. And they know this, right? They have they know that the mass market won't buy until it gets to be something like a lightweight pair of glasses. Yes. Once it gets down to that form factor, people start understanding and be willing to put something on their face. But these first devices are big and heavy and yeah. clunky. Out or five years? What do you think? Closer to five. Five, yeah. Wow. My friend at Unity says it's 10, <laughs> uh, which might make sense for the mass market. We're a long way from a perfect product that people are like, oh, I need a pair of those. And so yeah. it's a ways, but you're going to see a lot of innovation over the next five years. I think mm-hmm. five years, me and you are wearing a pair of glasses. Maybe a lot of doctors and nurses are wearing a pair of glasses. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because I would wear them. I would definitely wear them. Certainly, if you're a surgeon or or a nurse, you're walking into a patient's room. Why don't you know everything about that patient as you're walking in the room? Why can't you talk to all the machines in the room, right? The machines keeping you breathing, the machines monitoring you, the machines dripping stuff into your bloodstream, right? Why can't you talk to all those machines and know what's going on the minute you walk in? Well, there's so so many applications for that. Imagine... I have three daughters, so you can imagine the dating application where the my daughters have glasses that <laughs> tell you a good guy or a dirt bag. In Maybe real you're time. looking for a dirt bag. <laughs> there you go. That's true too. <laughs> There's some people who like that. They That's, keep writing letters to people that, in prison trying to get a dirt bag. <laughs> that is so true, Robert. <laughs> I don't know. All, man. all right, all but, right. No, but no, you're no. absolutely right yeah, on no. the AI. So here's a here's an example. If you ask uh, GPT, right, this new AI that you can talk mm-hmm. to on your phone. Yeah. Hey, give me 10 restaurants near me, like within 10 minute drive. It does, it gives you a list. But if you say there's four other people in the car and here's their food preferences, it gives you a completely different set of exactly. lists, right? Yeah. It's much yeah. more customized, much, much more personalized, much more accurate. And so we're going to figure out how to give these things some of our data to get better results back. Yeah. And well, security versus convenience. There's always that balance of, 
how much do I want to give away for the convenience of something? It, it turns out you're going to give it all away. <laughs> By the way, I completely agree with that. I believe that from day one. I just think people yeah, are- 20 years from now, everybody's just going to have people, to- And then it won't have, matter, right? Then privacy, what does it matter? Because everyone's giving it away and we're all, it doesn't really matter. We're all authentic and we are ourselves and it doesn't really matter that I've got- let me, let me count how problem. many microphones I have just on the table in front of me. <laughs> Three, four, five, five in one camera. That's eight, uh, uh, nine uh, in one headphone, right? So you, uh, just on my table, I have 15, 20 microphones, right? And are they listening to me? No, this camera is, right? And heck, we're on Zoom. <laughs> so our voices are That's going right. through some servers. That's right. Listening? Someone's listening to us. Exactly. And, and you're recording this. So in, <laughs> in five years, do you t- tell a new AI to go through all your Zoom recordings and no. look for patterns no. or look for, and then all of a sudden it's editing a new video of all your videos of the last? I just use AI to create a headshot. Have you done that yet? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's creepy oh, yeah. as hell. <laughs> it's, it's crazy what's it's coming. Pretty yeah. accurate and creepy yeah. at the same time. The more pictures you give it, the, yeah. the better that can work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. The Speaking more data of, you give the AI, the better it can the work. The better it works. Speaking yeah. of creepy, what do you make of threads? That's not creepy yet. Although yeah, you have to do you do have to sign the terms of service and give it all your data. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Mark wants all of my data. Okay, the microphones, the motion sensor, the location sensor. Give it all. <laughs> it it has taken a chunk out of Twitter. It hasn't taken the whole thing. Everybody's out. Oh, Twitter's dead. Twitter no. actually got better because all of these people moved over to Threads, and they tend to be people who hate Elon. So there's a community of feel over there that's interesting. Yeah. And it's very different, a little different than Twitter. The actual app is really nice. It's smooth. It's easy to read, all that. Mm-hmm. The onboarding process is nice for normal people because you can bring in your, inst- it asks you to bring in all your Instagram friends. So would you like to follow all 4,000 4, people you followed on Instagram? Oh, sure. Bring them all in. <laughs> and in fact, it, it even shows you who hasn't yet joined threads from it. It's made oh, by Instagram, right? Yeah, so right. it's tied yeah, yeah. with Instagram. And cool. so you get your Instagram social graph pretty quick. Uh, finding other people who followed people on Instagram followed them because they're good at visuals, right? They're, yeah. They have good furniture or art or photos or videos, right? They're good at that. It's not threads. It's more like Twitter. It's a, ch- a text chat room, basically. It's people who are good at photography don't necessarily translate to being good at threads. Right? Right. So now you have to find new people to follow. <laughs> and then there's hmm. just not the good. Twitter has really good muting tools. You can mute a word, right? So if you don't want to see Trump anymore, you can go in your settings, add Trump as a muted oh, word. Oh, that's cool, it, actually. Yeah, it's really yeah, nice. That's a really Twitter good feature. is filterable and threads yeah. is not <laughs> yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And right. so... Threads is noisier, which because it's only a week old, that's yeah. okay. But in six months, is noise going to matter? Yeah. In six filter months, they'll have a filter and yeah. they'll have a better way to pick your friends, I'm sure. Exactly. So you've done some work in healthcare. What advice would you give to new CISOs, new chief security officers that are coming into healthcare or aspiring ones? Oh, man. Learn the systems you got and learn the regulations and see what you can do to make your systems more secure. 
I'm not a good expert on that. There are lots of people who help you with security and hospitals are getting hit with these viruses that are sh- taking down their systems. Yeah. yeah. And so if so, who's up to date on building a, a resilient system, that, that would be a good thing. I don't have advice to those people. And for not knowing and not having advice. If you have a CSO job at Kaiser Permanente yeah. or something like that, you better know your shit. <laughs> you gave pretty good advice though, right there. Resiliency is so critical. And because the truth is, it's just not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You're going to get hit at some point. You're going to get it's hit. It's not possible to, to. Do you have everything backed up? Yes. Have you tested the system <laughs> for getting backed up? Do you know how long it'll take you to get back up? If let's say 40% of all your computers get shut down because yeah. everybody's clicking on a link and getting a, a virus or getting one of these things that shuts down your computer and then starts going after other things. Do you have a way to get back? You better have a plan for that. Do you have a plan for understanding your network traffic in deep detail? Is there a printer in the copy room that's spitting a lot of packets over to China? Well, that might fit. <laughs> Something's a little wacky with that printer. So you, yeah. several of the security people have shown me systems like this where you can walk around your network once it's put into a system like this and really understand what's going on in your network and look for threats and look for anomalies and look for problems. Do you have a a bleeding edge security system that protects your workers and knows what patterns to look for, right? And or in your cloud computing, do you have honeypots Mm -hmm. that are uh, triggers, right? If a hacker gets into your back end and starts downloading everybody's email, is there a way to catch that person? Is there a way to sense that person? Is there a way to kick them off? Is there a way to close down those ports without hurting your users, your customers. Yeah. So well said from someone who doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I've been to Israel. Pretty, pretty I've been to Israel a few times. Oh, so I, I picked up a few <laughs> things from those people because the checkpoint and other companies came out of Israel for a reason. because uh, yeah, they exactly. have these problems at at a, a nation state. Yes. Yeah, I know and, and everyone's stronger together, right? Everyone starts off at a very young age protecting Israel. Absolutely. And and then do you have a way to make sure everything is updated on your systems? Are you still running Windows 95? Oh, your, there are there's some of you out there that still yeah, we're running. We know, of, we know you're out there. We're gonna find you. And it might be running a stupid ass machine right in a surgery room yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's a security threat, yeah. right? Because now that system can be hacked therefore easier. Therefore, somebody's going to hack it and start using it to get in access into other things, right? So you have to make an inventory of, do we have everything up to date? Is everything being professionally managed and all that? Mm -hmm. That's the CSO's job. (laughs) Pretty pretty good. Pretty good. If you weren't doing tech, any other passion, anything you're passionate about outside of tech? I love new things, actually. I fell in love with new things. I I learned TV early on a $130,000 TV camera. I'd probably be in TV or media anyways. And I love new things. If you tell me there's a new restaurant opening up, let's go. (laughs) I don't want to eat the old ones. I've I've been there. I want to go to the new place. Yeah. Yeah. New things. Media, uh-huh. I'd probably still be cool. there. I'm still into photography. I'm still playing. I have a new 360 camera from Insta360. I'm still okay. playing with that. Doing innovative media kind of stuff. Nice. I don't okay, know. we're going to get a little personal here. If you could go back uh, in time, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? 
don't be an asshole. <laughs> okay, best answer yet. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. That's the best answer yet. Uh, yes, it is, because it's real. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably go back at 20 years old and tell them about trauma, brain trauma, yeah. and the fact that you have to see a professional and really work at fixing your brain trauma, because that's really what caused me trouble and caused me to be an asshole here and there. Yeah, yeah. I get yes. it. Um, you have sexual abuse or, or if you were in a shooting or have any kind of trauma, right? Mm -hmm. The PTSD is caused by this kind of trauma in military people, right? If you have that kind of trauma, you need professional help and need yeah. to work on it. And I didn't work on it for decades. Mm -hmm. People, a lot of people who have sexual abuse, particularly men, they don't want to talk to anybody about it. They're ashamed of that. And that is I've had people come up to to me at conferences and say, oh, after you admitted you, you had sexual abuse, I started talking to people. Yeah. And completely. I, I've been an alcoholic most of my life and recently went sober about a year and a half ago. And that's a big Thank deal. You. It was a right. big deal. And I push, that's why we there. celebrate. You go to meetings, you know? I do occasionally, but I've been... See, I'm not... I, that's bad of me because Alcoholics Anonymous is, puts a lot of emphasis on and anonymity, but yeah. you admitted you were an alcoholic. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, and, and my point was I communicated, I put it on Facebook for a couple of reasons. And I was, your point you made, I was amazed at how many people reached out to me directly to say, wow, you inspired me. I had a problem. I didn't realize it. Yeah. Thanks so much. Or your, the courage of you saying that really made me look inwardly and I've changed my, I, I just was completely blown away because I had no idea. Yeah. And I was doing it more to keep myself honest. Like, I'm like, if I put it out there on Facebook, now I got to do it. I got to live it now. <laughs> I studied addiction, my own addiction and other people's addiction. Research, a brain researcher in Israel said, people who have accountability to others mm -hmm. have a high, much higher rate of sobriety than people who aren't. And that's so that's right. actually a legit trick to yeah. let other people know, hey, I'm having, tr I'm struggling here. I need help. And sure enough, people come out of the woodwork. People at conferences now, they come up with a glass of water for me right, or a Coke or something. Yeah. And it's a subtle hint. Hey, we're watching you. <laughs> yeah, no, I get You yeah, don't need to go to the bar. We're keeping no. you away from well, the bar. <laughs> the, the thing we all share is we're all human. At the end of the day, we all are human. We all have our own struggles. Everyone has their own struggle. That's yeah. why it's be kind because- you never know what the other person's going through and most likely they're going through a lot more shit than you are. And so, no, Maybe. I appreciate that. And you know, yeah, I appreciate yeah. you and I appreciate your honesty and openness. That's why we go to meetings to hear. That's why we go to meetings. Like, That's right. That's right. Shit, man. My problems are a little... <laughs> That's smaller right. than your problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Kill no, somebody, right. That's yeah. part of it. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. There's people so, in meetings who have to stand up and say, I got in this program because I, I had an accident yeah. and killed somebody. Right? Yeah, so, no, it's awful. I, I didn't have that problem, right? No, so. no, me either. Amen. Riskiest thing you've ever done? I'd be remiss if I didn't ask it, right? This is the Risk Never Sleeps podcast. So. Other than telling my boss, Steve Bomber, that he was wrong in public <laughs> on my blog. <laughs> I've done that. That's not risky. <laughs> that can end badly. <laughs> it didn't. He had to apologize in public in a week, but yeah. um, that was some sort of risk. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. That's courage. Bringing a child into this life. Although yeah. <laughs> that's risky. Yeah. 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 No, typically people will say, I jumped off a bridge or I skydived or. Yeah. 
in terms of physical risk, I like skiing, but I never was into jumping off things like some no. of my friends were. Some of my friends really liked to, oh, there's a cliff. Let's go off of <laughs> No, that's not me. You didn't do any I'm helicopter very, skiing. No. I'm a fairly risk adverse kind of guy, ah, at least okay. with the physicality, partly because my eyes suck. Mm. I have really bad eyes. So the chances that I'm going to nail a jump. It's just not there. So I like those groom slopes, intermediate yeah, yeah. slopes there. I, I'll stay off the weird stuff. I take my risks with trying to get somebody interesting to say something like mm-hmm. what you're doing, trying to change the world with technology or going into Bill Gates' office and telling him he's wrong. So I know I, I noticed, did a couple times, right? <laughs> I, know, I noticed there's a, a doll. Is that a doll on the shelf behind me? What is that? The Channel 9 guy? No, the other, the red, the person in the red. Uh, oh, person. yeah. I had a... High Fidelity, which Philip Rosedale made Second Life, but he had a a VR thing for a while, and he scanned me with a 3D scanner. Oh, that's cool. And then they uh, printed me out on a 3D printer. Oh, (laughs) that's really cool. So I had this. Of course, uh, listening to audio, I have no idea what can't I'm see. Talking, but I have a little, I don't know, a nine inch high version of myself. Yeah. I went into a studio which had a room with, I don't know, 50 cameras. And I stood in there and 50 cameras shot. And then that made a volumetric model. And then that could get sent over to a 3D printer company and print me out. <laughs> and yeah. now I'm. From, I can use a, this to be inside VR like an avatar. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. From, from a distance, I thought it was like a Stretch Armstrong, if you remember that toy when you were a kid, if you ever played. Oh, it. yeah. The Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> yeah. Let's do the 3D printing stuff for uh, the tops of wedding cakes, right? They, yeah. They get yeah. a boyfriend or girlfriend yeah, it's cool. into one of these 3D scanners, and then they'll print uh, a 3D scan of them yeah. holding hands or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. They made protective gear during the pandemic with 3D printing. Yeah, um, because they were out of it. So they some uh, CIOs that were really intu- uh, inventive and creative, uh, they leveraged 3D printing to do that, which yep. I thought was, was, was awesome. So you, you and I talked about this before we recorded. I won't say what club belonged to a similar club. So yeah. I got to ask you, top five musical albums on a desert island, what would they be? Oh, man, that's so hard for me to pick because I have the world's largest collection of Dolby Atmos music, surround sound, spatial audio music. Oh. And I have... <laughs> Almost a hundred thousand tracks in my playlist. Ah, so, me too. But, I've got I, I have five thousand CDs and I, I burned them all in this brand. I love device. Skrillex and I love Swedish House Mafia. So <laughs> ah, that's great. All right, all right. I went to Coachella four times. I always loved electronic music and EDM kind of music. But I my playlist. I have everything from classical to church music to jazz music to yeah. Rock and roll to quiet, atmospheric, mm-hmm. meditation music. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard for me to pick one. <laughs> what was some? What were some of the best shows you've been to? Live shows. Oh man, Kiss was pretty good. Oh, so I love Kiss. <laughs> now we're connecting. Detroit Rock City, great album. Kiss great was album. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Jason Derulo, I was in the front row with my wife, and he was like two feet from me, dancing, sweating, spraying his DNA all over us. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> a lot of screaming. A lot of screaming. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. I- I've been to 150 concerts, so let me think. I've been to The Who, which was pretty insane. Yeah, who's great. Uh, Fleet. Oh, yeah. Did you go great. to... You mentioned Coachella. Did you go to Desert Trip when they had it out there? No. no. Yeah, three three day. They called it Old Cella. <laughs> oh yeah, I watched a piece of that. That yeah. looked really amazing. It was great. Yeah, I went to it. It was amazing. Six six concerts in three days. Um, yeah. Stones, Dylan, 
The Who, yeah. Roger Waters, yeah. Paul McCartney. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. That's pretty epic. Yeah, that's hard to beat. Who had the best concert? That's an interesting one. Glitch Mob at Coachella was pretty interesting. Was Glitch pretty Mob. amazing. Yeah, because yeah, it was in the Sahara. So Coachella has seven venues, right? Yeah. And venue one is like Arcade Fire and that kind of music. Yeah. And the Sahara Tent is all electronic music. Glitch Mob is the one that GoPro used in their videos. Ah, okay. If you've seen a GoPro video, yeah, yeah. that's the song that's playing is Glitch Mob. Okay. And there were so many people who wanted to get into the Sahara tent that the pressure was immense, right? You, you couldn't move. Oh. And at one point, the crowd started jumping. And it was like a carpet of humans coming at you. Awesome. And you didn't even have to jump. And you were jumping. Yeah, because you were, that's right, you were pressed so close together. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. Right. I used to go to a lot of punk shows when I was younger. And so I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> get, get into the mosh pit. Mosh pit, get, yeah, yeah. Go hit some people. Yeah, hit, he called yeah. it slam dancing back then. But, there um, we go. <laughs> it evolved. It evolved like everything else. Look, Robert, I don't know. I've been to South by 25 times. I've seen so many really great musicians. No. Here's one for you. So a, a friend of mine and I were walking around New Orleans. He lives in New Orleans. He's a lawyer there. Ernie, the urge attorney is his blog name. And uh, we were walking around on a Saturday. He goes, oh, I am passes to the uh, House of Blues Foundation room. I'm a member there. And I think Buddy Guy's playing tonight. I oh, go, it gets worse. Oh. I go, this was like at 4 p.m. on a Saturday. I go, who's Buddy Guy? <laughs> and he goes, dude, Buddy Guy's just like one of the best guitar players alive right now. Were you now. being serious or? I, I was being serious. Oh, I no. Buddy Guy was. Oh, All right. It gets better. So the foundation room is on the top floor looking yeah. down at Buddy Guy playing on the stage. So we were in, sitting around drinking, enjoying that. At one point, Buddy get, has an unplugged, has a wireless microphone and a wireless uh, guitar. He gets off the stage go and plays all the way through the crowd. There's 2,000 people down on the first floor. Mm. So he walks through all those people saying hi, playing, walks up the stairs, walks all the way around the balcony and sits right next to me. And so his fingers are like oh from my eyes. And for a song and a half, he's just sitting there playing and I'm looking at his fingers a foot away from him. <laughs> and I, two hours earlier, I had no idea who he was. <laughs> You'll have to get to guy. Chicago and go to his, go to the buddy guys. Uh, yeah. You never know who walks in there. I've been there where like mayors walked in and played with them and others great the, place to great venue to if see. you go to new orleans anybody make sure you go to preservation hall and don't go there first before you get your beignets and <laughs> that's a good go to because yeah. you might want to go back first yeah. of all <laughs> you might go this is i've been yeah. to some concerts there they're just yeah. like <laughs> oh i know i love new orleans yeah bro the love letter to new orleans that was printed in the new newspaper oh. my wife and i hooked up in new orleans so there's <laughs> uh, can i find it online maybe I don't really know how to find it. Do you it, still have it? I'd love I don't to read it. I'd oh. have to look for it. Okay. <laughs> but it, yeah, it was a few yeah. years. The collision conference used to be down there. And, and yeah. plus, my wife and I used to plan conferences. And we used to have a conference, a couple conferences down there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a special place for sure. It's a dirty, dingy, crappy oh, place, but you'll it. have the best food of your life. You'll see the best music of your life, but you'll Nothing see the like best it. of your yeah, life. Yeah. Or, 
if you're into art, like a flock away from Bourbon Street are some really amazing oh, yeah. galleries oh, that yeah. you have to get invited into. But oh man, the, the Faulkner's art bookstore, Faulkner, the Faulkner bookstore is one of my yeah. favorite bookstores in the world. Yeah. It's all good. Well, we didn't good. talk about protecting people's. Oh, we didn't need to. We didn't need to. This is the beauty of this <laughs> podcast. We're going to talk about whatever we want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Listen, thank you. I know you got a hard stop. Thank yeah. you very much for your time. Appreciate you. This has been terrific. And I'm sure my listeners will Thanks. Get a lot of interesting insight. And for someone that doesn't know security. Uh, knowing, I, I do have a Twitter list of all the CSOs. <laughs> I read up what, what they're tweeting about because the, when they have a problem, they're all, they do interesting uh, blogs and tweets about the security problem of the day. Out of that, I, I recommend to my friends, spend an hour a month just doing research on security, mm-hmm. figuring out how to increase your passwords, right? How to come up with a better password how to update your firewall on your Macintosh, right? All sorts of little things like that. You do that for a year, you're going to get increase your security mm-hmm. so that you're less likely to yeah. get hit by one of these problems that's come along. We call that cyber hygiene. Yeah. And most people don't do it. And that's right. This is the problem. And how many people have passwords that are simply passwords? Two, two, eight. Right. <laughs> and so you, if you do a little bit of Google searching, you'll find out how to build a passphrase, mm-hmm. how to increase your security a little bit. A lot of people are like, oh, you need to worry about that, Scoble, because you have a big audience and you're a big footprint. No, you need to worry about it because don't you have money in your bank account? You know, yeah. that's what they're after. They're not after yeah. my follower account. <laughs> Some are. Mm-hmm. Most are after the money. So you yeah. got to worry about this if you're a part of modern society. And most people right. don't. Amen. All right, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you for your time. This is Ed Gaudet signing off on the Risk Never Sleeps podcast. And if you're on the front lines, Protecting patient safety. Remember, stay vigilant because risk never sleeps. Thanks for listening to Risk Never Sleeps. For the show notes, resources, and more information and how to transform the protection of patient safety, visit us at sensinet.com. That's C-E-N-S-I-N-E-T.com. I'm your host, Ed Gaudet. And until next time, stay vigilant because risk never sleeps.